Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi. Rolling with Jason and John, 92.9 FM ESPN. Happy Friday to you, March 10th. And happy Grizzlies win to you. It was certainly a good feeling last night. Grizzlies in the three-game losing streak. Uh, beat Golden State for the first time this season, 131-110 last night. A lot to break down from that one, uh, including a marvelous, marvelous performance by Dylan Brooks. He was outstanding. A great response for him, obviously, to Draymond Green's podcast words. Uh, Dylan Brooks was good on the court last night. Didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but it was everything else he gave you, uh, including a fantastic post-game interview that I must say, too. You talk about domination. A post-game interview that Jeff Calkins dominated. I saw Tim McMahon trying to get in there and get the rebound. Calkins is boxing out. He's asking all the questions. He absolutely dominated, too. So wanted to tip our cap as well to the performance of one Jeff Calkins. Stayed, at, stayed up late last night. Do that post-game interview now on his way to go cover the Tigers. Thought that was a great thing to come out of last night because if you haven't heard, and we'll get into some of it, uh, the comments by Dylan Brooks afterwards. Just absolutely classic. Number two seed Memphis. We mentioned it. Uh, in the AAC tournament, opens up play tonight against UCF. The Tigers are four-and-a-half-point favorites. How are we feeling? Feeling good. I don't know how I feel yet about the number, if that's what you're getting at. Uh, but I feel, I feel very confident that Memphis is going to win the game. Uh, but we have plenty of time to discuss all of that. Uh, Terrence Oglesby is a college basketball analyst for Field of 68 ESPN. He was at the Big East tournament last night. We're going to talk to him about college basketball postseason tournaments or uh, these college tournaments or Getting down to the end here, man. Uh, got some semifinals. We've got a lot of finals that have already gone. Uh, obviously, we'll ask him about Memphis. Uh, so I'll, I'll actually, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I don't even want you to be a part of this. I think you probably need to set this one out. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, a field of 68 thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a little out of your depths, unfortunately. We're going to talk a lot about the Big East, you know, and you've been plugged into the uh, into the Grizzlies here. So mm. we're gonna we're gonna get into something. I that, don't mind. Yeah, so you, how about you just take a lap, get some steps in, that and, good. and I'll talk to Terrence Oglesby okay. uh, when we come back at 1125. Then at 125, uh, please rejoin us uh, as Anthony Sane will yeah. be in studio. I'll come back like Hawkins comes back in. Yeah, yeah. you know, Hawkins will be coming in and out. In we, and don't, out. We, we don't know where he goes. He just leaves and comes back whenever he wants. That's what I'll do. You know, he's like a wandering old man. We just I'll, let him I'll do come back in for you after yeah. Oglesby. Uh, Anthony Sane will join us at 125. We'll talk Grizzlies with him. He'll be in studio. Uh, all that and more at 125. So that's the show Today, last night, we talked about it. Last night. We talked about the opportunity uh, at hand for the Memphis Grizzlies. And as Pusha T would ask, how, how, how do you respond? That is the question. And that was the question hanging over the Memphis Grizzlies last night as it felt like an avalanche, a, a boulder, that was accumulating by the day of bad news, whether it's in the form of Stephen Adams' injury, whether it's in the form of Ja Morant, in which today there was another incident reported. Another one, believe it or not. Yep. Which we'll get to, I guess, later in the show. 
not new, not as in like yesterday. But new to the public. New to you, new mm-hmm. to us. So we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. You get the bad news about John Morant. You have the Draymond Green podcast where he dunks on Dylan Brooks. You have all that working against you. And then, by the way, you know, you haven't been playing well uh, lately. Yeah, they had lost three in a row. Yeah. So you have all that working against you. And here come the Golden State Warriors who, frankly, have owned you recently. And how do you respond? Underdogs in your own home, by the way. Underdogs in your own home. I just want to tack that on there. And you respond decisively. The Grizzlies responded decisively last night against the Golden State Warriors in a performance that was honestly never in doubt. I, was that wire to wire? It was wire to wire. It was, it was wire, to wire. wire to wire. But, but uh, they cut down a big lead early. You, yeah, I mean, the second quarter they cut it down to seven or nine or whatever it was. But just when the the the, the Warriors made the start of the fourth, any right? kind of run, and then the, and then the fourth, you're right. Yeah. yeah, you're exactly right. So two real runs, I guess you would say. Right. The Warriors they handled made. it. It was wire to wire. But it was never closer than a one-possession game after the first quarter. And I got to tell you, um, I, I think there's a lot to be impressed with and a lot of people to be impressed with on, on, on that night. You know, impressed by Dylan Brooks, who... Oh, he's at the top of the list. I mean, was in the crosshairs. All eyes were on him. And, you know, he, he honestly, he handled the game like a, a true professional. You know, he didn't let the emotions and the events prior bleed over into the game. He did a great job, as good of a job as you're going to do on on Steph, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Steph's going to have 29 just in his sleep. Not much you can do about that. But he forced that out-of-bounds call oh, he, there. He, he made him work. And and um, and you could tell, like, he really – it meant a lot to him, and he wanted to show, you know, that he can still be a, a positive contributor to this Grizzlies team. Well, the key is even on a night where he's going one of seven from three. That, oh, that's exactly. been the issue for Dylan. The inefficiency shooting has been there all season long, but how is it affecting your your defensive play? Yep. And are you still helping this team in that you – know, because that that's what you can still do. And he did it last night, to your point. Six of 15 overall, one of seven from three, and yet yep. you're plus 22 because you, know, you do everything else, the six assists, the zero turnovers. He was team guy all night long, and – Here's the other thing. He didn't let the Draymond words beforehand change up his approach. Not at all. In terms of especially defensively. Like, he didn't stop talking. Nope. He kept talking. He did. And you could say by the end of it, he had won the war, of, the, the war of words. And certainly the way, you know, Golden State and Steve Kerr packed things up, uh, you'd say for a night, yeah, you had the upper hand, and Dylan Brooks was right at the forefront of it with his attitude and the way he's playing defense. So you can't do anything but salute Dylan Brooks. Uh, after a performance like that, and especially again as it as it went on into the the locker room afterwards, with some of the things you said about Draymond. Yeah, one thirty one one ten was your final. The Grizzlies scored forty eight in the first quarter, mm-hmm. in the first frame. Uh, yeah, they've I, had some monster quarters of late. Was the Clippers one was fifty one? Yeah, I believe that was the most the Warriors have given up in the first quarter of the season. I think that was the stat. It was something along those lines. I mean, and that makes sense because forty eight is a lot, as you know, Jason, in one twelve uh, minute period. So Jaron was good, twenty-one and nine. He continues to be a guy that's, you know, saying in an 
I said this to Jeffrey, much like Anthony Davis has said, I'm going to put this on my back till LeBron gets back. Yep. I'm getting similar vibes from Jaron on that. Xavier Tillman continues in a role that you had not expected him to be in. Yep. Shorthanded now, more yep. now than ever, continues, what, 10 and 8. And then Santi, bro. Mm-hmm. We ain't going to break this down without saying Santi will not be punked. Who was that, Jermichael Green trying to elbow him in the free throw, on the free throw lane. Yeah. Uh, Santi hit him right back before Jermichael goes and what's get a, gets a technical foul. But you just love the 15-7 and seven and the attitude you're getting from Santi Aldama. And again, you know, at home, those guys stand out, man. Jermichael Green was players are playing well. Helping rebuild Crosstown with all the shots he was putting up, bro. Like brick after brick. Every time I looked up. I didn't up, even look at his line. I mean, I don't know what it was, but it felt like every time I looked up, that dude was missing. Like, you Remember I, when you loved him? I did love him. But that was a long time ago. He was a different player. We, we all do. We all loved him for a little and, while. You know, he's, he was he was a different player. It's good back to have then. moved on. Um, yeah. Look, I I think that was the Memphis Grizzlies at their best last night. I mean, that was as to me that is their best when it's Jaron twenty one, Tyus twenty two, yeah, Desmond Bain twenty one, Tillman double figures, Santi double figures. Right, Dylan was great defensively. This is how the Grizzlies have to win games. Like, they have to get contributions from pretty much everybody, and they did. You know, and, and, and Conchar chipped in eight, and Kennard chipped in six, and Roddy six. Zaire even put up five for you. You know, so it's— I think you've literally said everybody. I'm proud of you. Well, everybody that got in except Kennedy Chandler scored. You know, Man, so— Man, let's get Lofton some more minutes. Yeah, so— Big th- boy th- hit a three late. This is the Grizzlies at their absolute best. So you have to give them props— Dylan Brooks gets props. Taylor Jenkins gets props because he was coming under fire the last few days about maybe how the how the situation was handled, how they've kind of slid lately. Lots of people asking questions, which I think are yeah, fair. You needed to answer, which I think are time. fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was by look, we we see the final score, and 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 you know we use that sort of foresight now to say, oh well, easy, but was not easy going into that game last night. I mean, the Warriors were favored in that game last night for a reason. You know, they were desperate for a win, too, because as bad as they have been on the road, I think they were coming off of a road game, maybe it was against OKC, where they were favorites in that one as well. They really wanted to get this one, and it's Memphis, and it's the Grizzlies. So you 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 accomplish a lot of things by winning last night. Um, you show, first and foremost, that you can beat them again. Yeah. You know, you get over that mental hurdle that the Warriors have proven to be lately. Um, and you do it without John Morant, and you do it without Steven Adams. So, And I know they didn't have Wiggins, and I, and I do think that's a big thing for them. But, again, no excuses. Especially with what's missed for the Grizzlies. That's right. the key for me. That's a game you're favoring in. If you're the Warriors, you're trying to stay out of that play-in spot. You have to win that game. And they simply couldn't and never really even threatened to. So I think it was an important uh, response, a timely response for the Memphis Grizzlies. And it was an awesome night for all the fans that stuck by them. And 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 look, the upshot of this, and the truth of it is, we don't know when John Moran is yeah, coming back. Yeah, I was gonna back. say, don't go too far. Right, we don't know when he's coming back. We don't know, uh, you know, if Stephen Adams is ever gonna play again. And the other part, every team is not going to be the Golden State Warriors. In a in, in a sense of, the Grizzlies wanted that one desperately. You know, yeah. like there was a real. There was a real wounded animal. We talked about this yesterday, right? The Grizzlies are a wounded, cornered animal, and those are usually the teams that do respond in situations like this. Okay, so you've responded. 
decisively, definitively. Make sure you still have some left in the reserves, though, for the rest of your season, right? So that when and if Ja comes back, when and if Steven Adams does come back for the postseason, you know, you're in a position to actually make the noise that at one point in this season, we believe they were capable of making. Yeah, yeah I, I agree on everything that you just laid out in terms of the importance of that win, you know, with the way things were going, the weekend you just had, the week leading up to this, all the news with Steven Adams, everything else that you needed to, and especially against a team like Golden State's been talking and saying, essentially, you're not on our level. You needed a statement win like last night. Yep. So, so, so there was an importance to it. That said, all of that said, I still think last night said more about, if we're looking forward, yep. it said more about Golden State. Yep. The, the fact that they are 7-26 and 26 now on the road, that the Detroit Pistons have the worst record in the league. Yep. They are 7-26 and 26 on the road. Like, what, what's happening with a championship team? And Lord knows Draymond tells us that every time. Yep. But what's happening with them on the road? John, I, I know Andrew Wiggins is a key part of it, but he ain't – you didn't have Steven Adams, John Morant, Brandon Clark, and you're still getting waxed by that Memphis team just because yep. you don't have Andrew Wiggins? No. Like, if you saw the end of that game, Steph Curry's on the bench shaking his head, almost like he didn't want to get up. Steve Kerr shaking his head, looked like disbelief. That was their eighth straight road loss. And so when it comes to looking forward, because there are still so many questions surrounding the Grizz, everything you just laid out, John Morant's return right at the top of it, when does that happen? Um, this, to me, was, my gosh. These dudes can't uh, uh, beat a Grizzlies team that's a shell of its real self uh, on the road. Drop to eight straight. You just mentioned it was OKC the other night. What's the likelihood that they're going to just all of a sudden turn it on in the playoffs and be able to win on the road? Like yep. this, this is like worst in the league, bad. And so that for me was the shocker of last night. That my goodness, a, a, a Grizzlies team doesn't have key pieces handled, y'all. I think, that's, and that continues to be case all season long for them uh, on the road. I, I think, Seven and twenty-six. Yeah, I, I, I hate saying that because it, it almost suggests or implies that we're trying to take away something from the Grizzlies. No, no, like, no but, but it's, it's a fact. I'm, I'm glad we started yeah. with all the positives well, that, that and, came and, out and, last and, night for the Grizzlies, and it, but, it is the but, most important thing, right? Again, no guarantees that the Grizzlies were going to win that game last night. They were underdogs at home. For a reason. That's what I'm trying to tell you. you know, Golden State was supposed to win that game the, last night. And the market believed it, that it would. I talked to a lot of sharp people that I respect about this game before it happened, and they too thought Golden State was going to come in here and kind of deliver this little knockout blow. They're right? a mess. But the truth is, is... On the road. Th- th- there is... and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like a, a depth piece or something. You know, but when they get into... You know their second rotation, and and, and Kaminga got hurt pregame, right? And that that was another thing. Um, yeah, didn't have him. Yeah, so you didn't have Wiggins and you didn't have Kaminga, but still you have Clay Thompson and you have Steph Curry and you have Jordan Poole and you have Draymond Green. Like you're supposed to be able to come in here and at the very least, for as much as you talk about how it's not a rivalry and y'all have done so much and had the Grizzlies number, at the very least, not get blown out by a Grizzlies team without John Morant and Stephen Adams. Um, so I, we've we've been trying to figure out why the Grizzlies are struggling on the road. Yeah. I heard it again of this, you know, the discipline. Stephen Adams talking yep. about it. You know, uh, others have weighed in. What? That's a championship outfit, yep. right? That's been through it before with much worse road problems than you got. Absolutely. And I imagine road problems that 
I mean, from all accounts, yep. I don't know why it cha- would change in the playoffs. And, and maybe, maybe Wiggins is a, is a difference maker, but yes. I don't know if think all of a sudden he he just flip-flops that and turns, well, it, I, turns it all the way around. It, it is weird how way. important he has become in the back half of his career here, uh, but so still. If you, so if you've got home court. We're talking about a 21-point victory here. We're not talking about a, a, a you know two-possession game late. We're talking about a, a wire-to-wire beatdown. Yeah, finally a fourth quarter where you put you know, 32-17, you put your foot down. Look, I'm interested. Usually that's been flipped of late. I'm interested because I, I will say this. Like, it is it is easier to get up for that one if you're the Grizzlies because of who the p- opponent is. You know, there I, I really do. Like, th- they had a point to prove to the bully last night, and they that was like their last stand. Even without John Morant, you know, like they really looked at that one as a you know General Custer's last stand type game, and and the, and and again for respect to them, they got a hell of a result. I'm interested to see how much of that was energy feeding off of the Warriors in a TNT game, or how much of it is there's a sense of okay we've rallied together, we're putting all the BS to the behind us, we're gonna get job back, but let's go out here and 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 play good basketball until he does because they've got the Mavs twice. I believe Luca's got uh, a thigh, right? Yeah, Luca's got uh, some ailment, um, but you have that back to back. So you got the Mavs tomorrow, you've got the Mavs on Monday, and then you're at Miami. So I'm really interested in these next three games. You know, we we haven't seen the new look Mavs previously. They have been a real uh, a real quagmire yeah. for the Grizzlies. Uh, but I don't know if this iteration of the Mavs will be that. But again, I want to see it against a team that you don't have such an extensive history with. You, right? you, you actually get them three times in the next six games in addition to the, the two you're speaking of Saturday and Monday. Yeah. You know, here and then back down there. Uh, you're going to see them again on March 20th. And so you'll get a real good feel. Again, we'll see with, with where Luca's at. But now, John, my, listen, the, the, the likelihood is this team has the second best home record in the NBA. The likelihood is we're going to like things and, and what they look like against Dallas on, on Saturday. The question's going to be what happens when you go out on the road Dallas, Miami, San Antonio, three-game road trip. That's where the struggles have been. That's where all eyes on you. And and listen, you know, John Morant for the time being, not a part of it, uh, but hopefully this team, and you saw it last night, them sort of come around Dylan Brooks after Draymond had tried to pit team versus Dylan Brooks. You saw them come around him. Um, that's the key for me, John, is taking this out you know, where you've been so bad and, and yes. applying some of this on the road because it's been disastrous. Yes. It's been disastrous. It has. Um, so look, I thought it was a super important, uh, 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 you know, display last night by the Memphis Grizzlies. Like, need to Sacramento keeps winning too. They keep winning. They took care of the Knicks, um, and that was an impressive win because Brunson was in. Brunson played last mm-hmm. night. There was some thought maybe that he didn't, but he did play. I, that Knicks team, man, I ain't trying to go overboard. And it may not be this year, but they keep Brunson and Randall together. Maybe you like add one more piece. They will be a a yeah, because it ain't RJ. Right, it's not. They, but they got to – because Brunson is so damn tough, man. He is. You watch him play, and he's just a buck. And, Ra- and Randall has turned into a friggin', <laughs> you know, sniper. Dallas going to see come playoff time what they lost with 100%. Brunson. And 100%. if they, they, they already they, realize it, probably likely. But. They do. Um, but, yeah, it was a, it was a super, uh, uh, you know, important, I thought, response. And, and I give full credit to, to Dylan, to Taylor Jenkins, to the rest of the team for showing up, showing out, putting up 131 on the Warriors. I will say – and I, and I think we do need to to say this for, uh, you know, just full transparency. You know, 
we talked a lot about what De- Draymond Green said about Dylan yesterday uh, in his podcast. But I, I think where I have the problem is everything he said about Dylan was honestly rooted in some truth. But I lose respect for you as a as an analyst, as a as a you know podcaster, as a as an opinion haver and sharer, when you can keep it real about everybody and everything except you. Because I heard a lot. You had a lot of words for Dylan Brooks. You had a lot of words for the rest of the league this year. Draymond has on that podcast. But when it came time last night to sort of eat crow and and you know face the music. He wanted to talk about, I'll get a technical foul when I want to get a technical foul. The, like, ba- the battle that he won. Yeah, like like he he's the expert in you know human psychology and that this isn't a rivalry. You know that's where you lose me. And and in fact, like it makes me lose respect for the whole. I I, I can't I can't value your opinion nearly as much when I know you're not going to keep the same energy for yourself. The best ones do. The best ones do. I don't. I don't think it's that hard to say, man. We we came in there. We got our ass kicked. Like maybe we didn't take them seriously enough. Well, just that again adds to the. the it's the evidence that this is a rivalry it, when they're not willing to do that, right? Because of the opponent, and they're feeling that we're giving them something, even if I give them that, John, the proper due for the night. They took care of business, but that's giving them something. And in a rivalry, you don't give your opponent anything. And that, again, it goes against everything that Golden State continues to say when they say it's not one. Yeah, I agree totally. Yeah, if you're, gonna, if, you're gonna, if you're going to keep it a buck about everybody else, man, keep it a buck about yourself. First take did the uh, – it was the opening segment, the A block. Was, are they a rivalry? Right. And you used his comments and everything else, and, and everybody agreed. It's, this is like must-see television in the NBA. There's nothing like it. Both teams it, hate each other. It couldn't be more obvious that it's a rivalry. What's the closest thing in terms of there's hate between the two teams? Like Philly and uh, who was it that, that they were scrapping a little bit this year? Uh, Philly and somebody. Anyway, that just the fact that I'm having to search. Brooklyn? Maybe it was Brooklyn. Because of Ben Simmons? I don't know. Just, I think it was. I think it was, though. I think it was Brooklyn. But, yeah, that's not a rivalry, especially now that Brooklyn's been torn down. Um, I mean, it's, it's – it's, it's, Who's it's, Boston's rival? If it's not, we're not looking – Big picture and calling it the Lakers. I don't. I don't. I don't. I mean, you mean like right now? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, 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 there is no rivalry. That's what I'm saying. There are teams that I think they'll have to like contend with. Well, his but, definition that you have to win four titles for it be, to be a rivalry. Well, that's it's ridiculous. Won, right. It, it goes right. back to your point. So yeah. So they're oh they're just peerless all of a sudden. No, I mean look in the grand scheme of things, the, the Warriors are a legacy. They're a dynasty. They 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 have they are on an amazing run. But they're not this year. <laughs> you know, they're not that this year. So the reality of the situation is there is the, the Grizzlies and, and the Warriors at present, right? And I'm not talking about the Warriors from 2015 and yep. 2016, which is what he seems to well, be stuck in. This is as close to a – I mean, this is the definition of a they rivalry. They come and go, and it's the best thing going in the NBA right now, rivalries. Rivalries aren't it, defined by championships, But you don't have man. to have the – Bull, the Bulls didn't have championships when they were going up against the Pistons and hitting their heads at that point, and yet it was a rivalry. They ended up breaking through. That That's what you, – you clearly knew that. The Pacers, Bulls, like we – what are we talking about? Uh, Clippers, Grizzlies. And, and, and it can go there for a while, and this one is – this one is clearly living and breathing. 
because literally after every game or even in between games on podcast, you're having arrows shot at the other side. That's the true definition of a rivalry when both sides don't like each other. It's the best thing going in the NBA. And we'll get another, what, dose of it next week. I can't wait for the fourth game. Yeah. No, it's going to be uh, – it, 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 and it is. And I hope they keep this – you know, it won't be a – the, the sad part is, is next Saturday. It won't be a uh, a long rivalry. I mean, it will be a short lived one because the the Warriors' core is going to change. You know, they're going to trade away Draymond, or he's going to walk, or you know, th- those guys are sort of aging out. Mm-hmm. But in the in, in the current, it, it, it's it really is a perfect example. Like if I was going to use a wrestling analogy, right? The Warriors are Hulk Hogan. You know, they've done it. They they're a pioneer. They, they changed the game with the shooting. They've won world championships, you know, and the Grizzlies are the rock. They come in. They're brazen. They do it a different way. They talk, you know. It's flashy. You know, the rock used to wear the silk button downs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, why are you doing it, though? You I'm just, like, I'm just. I'm you just, acting like you got it on. Well, I, I do. I do. I got some silk on, man. People don't have to know. So it's like Hulk Hogan and the rock, and it's and it's a passing right of the torch it's a passing and and and, and hulk's reluctant to do he doesn't want to let it go oh yeah these these guys haven't passed you anything they don't even want to yeah. they don't want to give you the respect that you got us tonight but 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 it is that at least draymond doesn't. but it is that and 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 you remember you remember that match hulk hogan and and and, and the rock you remember what happened it, it did eventually get passed and that's not a. It wasn't a direct generational thing. There was a generation or two between Hulk and The Rock, but you get where I'm coming from, right? And there's a generation or two between Warriors and the Grizzlies, if we're being honest. So that's what this is. Uh, you have a. You have a. The old guard that is totally uh, unrelenting in their desire to not yet, right? They are fighting back against the dying of the light. And make no mistake, it is dying. It could burn bright again, randomly. Like kind of like last year, you had high hopes in it just a little bit earlier this year. Not necessarily for this game, I didn't, but for their season. For the season, yes. I'm saying. And, and I, I don't in rule, terms of it being I, able I don't, to burn bright again. I don't rule out that it could. You Mister, watch out for Warriors. But I, I think, in terms of the theme of this, it's exactly what it is. And and to me, to run from that because the Grizzlies haven't won a championship is stupid. You know, embrace it, man. It's a great matchup. Both teams hate each other. Both teams have great players. You he'll, know? Mi- he'll miss it when he's with another club next yeah, year. Yeah, when he's with Golden the State when he's back home with the Pistons, <laughs> you, you will miss the rivalry. You want to talk about that? That that is no rivalry. The, the Pistons, indeed, have, their rivalry is the bottom of the lottery. They don't need that man with uh with Wiseman and Durham, bro. Well, you he get, ain't going to Detroit though. You get what Let's I'm saying? Let's put it. Yeah, I got, I got you. We're gonna put him somewhere else though. Yeah, wherever he goes, yeah. Charlotte. I don't want him back around Wiseman. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, we have fresh start now with James. Yeah, let's not stay away from the two tigers there. Yeah. So anyway, it was a yeah, we'll banish him somewhere. It was a uh, it was a fun night last night inside FedEx Forum. Grizzlies get the job done in convincing fashion, one thirty one to one ten. Not a peep uh, from from anybody from Golden State after, other than the fact Draymond wants to remind you this is not a rivalry. Just so y'all know, that, I mean that looks so stupid. That's what you say after you win. That's what you say. You say, everybody keeps talking about this as a rivalry. This is not a rivalry. All we do is beat them. You can't say it after you lose to them. You look stupid. Mm. That's what I'm, you know? Like, it, it, it just doesn't, the math ain't math in there. Because the Grizzlies have now won what? If you're going back to, if you're going, they, they won two, correct? In the series? Yeah. Yeah. Two I think the, the last one was like game five. Yeah, so two in the series. 
And then did they – this was their first win this year, this year, right? Yes, they had lost six of eight to Golden State. I okay. think the, the biggest one that sticks out to me is that play-in they kicked them out. Mm-hmm. That was Remember? two years ago, though. That, Golden State seems I mean, to put I mean, that out of their memory. Well, it's they damn, forget it's, that, it's, don't they, Jason? It's, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's damn near but, out of mind. But I don't I, remember much about that but one. But to be honest with you, though, Brad, I can't fault them for doing that. Even though we continue to remind them, I can't fault them for doing it because you're not talking about a, a seven-game playoff series, which is you know the world that they come from as four-time champions. I get it. But you're absolutely right. That's what The Grizzlies don't get enough credit for how close this has been over the last few years Take out the last six of eight. Now it's, now it's six of nine that Golden State's won since you got the win. But it had been super, the last 18, 19 games, literally right within five points in terms of total score. Um, so it's been a close rivalry, and you don't get to the point that you're at if it's not. If Golden State had been kicking your tail the entire time, it never gets to this point where there's this much venom. Uh, it truly is, and like I said, I can't wait for the next installment of it next Saturday. Yeah, it'd be fun. Be a good time. So what a playoff series against these fools. Is that but, one here or there? That one's here. Awesome. You've, you've lost to them. Well, I think there it is. Yeah, the, the, the Grizzlies are the rock. What was the final move in that match? I'm sure the it was the old... rock bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, you familiar with the rock's matches? Not really. I mean, it's possible he hit him with the people's elbow also. You know, he had the rock bottom. He had the people's elbow. Well, it doesn't sound like you're very sure now. Well, again, dude, that was like You looked at me like I should know, but now ago. I'm testing you. It was 18 mean, years ago. 19 years ago. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, I, I can't possibly remember. But, you know, like the rock had the rock bottom. That's Ja. He had the people's elbow. That's Jaron. He had the sharpshooter. That's Desmond Bain. Oh. You know what I'm saying? He had, very quick on your toes. He had all three of them man. things. And then he would borrow your finishing move. That's Dylan Brooks. And he didn't do it every match. Just like Dylan Brooks doesn't show up for every game. But it's electrifying when it happened. And it's electrifying when Dylan Brooks decides to show up. So, great night last night for the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll talk about that with Anthony Sane when he joins us at 125. We're going to talk a little college basketball as Memphis prepares to take on UCF later today in the quarterfinals of the AAC tournament. Don't touch that dial. Back in a minute, Jason and John, 90 China Fan, ESPN. Brad here in studio with the guys, and yeah, we were talking about hoops, we're talking about the Grizzlies, all of this stuff you can uh, wager on using the Betley Sportsbook. That's our new betting partner here on 92.9, and that's the one I've been using exclusively for the last three months, and they were the first legal book in the state of uh, Arkansas, and they brought all their great technology, their fast payouts, and everything from the folks that brought you Southland Gaming and Racing. They brought it to the, uh, the book space. And uh, the odds are out. There's all sorts of different bets this weekend, including in the NBA tonight, you've got time to process a player prop parlay, including Embiid and Lillard. That's in the promotions tab. That's why I like using Betley. Go to the promotions tab. You get more money for your bets and your parlays. NBA Cavs heat tonight. And then, of course, all the college hoops. There's the American stuff. There's America's Conference, including the Southeast Conference, with Tennessee and Texas A&M. If you want to do a parlay there, they've got a special boost parlay. Memphis, of course, a favorite tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, on ESPNU, uh, that game against UCF, Tigers favored. Wager on all of it on the Betley Sportsbook app. It's the $250 risk-free wager as a new user here in the state of Tennessee. Do that in Tennessee and get that $250 just for using it, downloading it for your first bet. So many ways to have fun, including the promotions tab. So do it today. Must be 21 or older and located in Arkansas or here in the state of Tennessee to bet using the Betley Sportsbook. Play responsibly. For help quitting, call 800-522-4700. The Betley Sportsbook. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Paris Oglesby is a former Clemson sharpshooter, basketball analyst for a field of 68, ESPN, many others. was at the Big East Tournament yesterday, and he's nice enough to join us now. T.O., what's the word, man? Man, I'm, I'm trying to piece together some hours of sleep. I think that's the big thing right now. March Madness, baby, and it's madness for a whole lot of different reasons. But uh, did the uh, Big East last night, and then we had our show from midnight to 1, and then I had to catch a 6 a.m. out of JFK to get up to Vermont because I'm doing Vermont and UMass Lowell for the America East Conference Championship tomorrow on ESPN. So there's a lot going on. I'm excited. I haven't slept, but that's not important right now. That's right, man. Get that later. You're grinding right now. This is grind time. So, look, I, I asked Rob, and I'll just I'll, I'll ask you, because I, I saw this going on on Twitter, and, and, and maybe you can help me understand this, but if UConn loses tonight to, to, to Marquette or if they lose in the Big East Championship game, Will UConn fans be able to recover from the pain in time for the other less prestigious tournament, according to them? I mean, I, I, you're going to have to help me understand this, this elitism when it comes. And I get that it's had a lot of great games and history and all that, but this idea that you, know, you would rather win if you're a UConn fan, the Big East tournament, than go to an elite. I, I don't understand. I don't understand that choice. Help me understand it. Well, let me say this. If you haven't been to a Big East tournament, the vibe in that building is certainly different. Uh, the proximity between the schools, especially in the Northeast portion of that conference, I think uh, absolutely helps out with that. Uh, it, it's a special tournament. It really is a special tournament. I, I've done the ACC. I played in the ACC tournament 15 years ago. The Big East right now is what the ACC and the SEC looked at their tournament like 20 years ago because there's still that that hatred slash loyalty slash appreciation for what the conference is. 
to where I think there's been a little bit, when you look at the SEC or you look at the ACC, more specifically the ACC, it's become a very buttoned-up corporate kind of thing. That's not the case. Where the ACC's wine and cheese, the Big East is beer and brats, and there's a lot more passion. So that's one way to look at it. If they're going to go to the Elite Eight, uh, I, it's close for me too. If I was a UConn guy, it would be it would be close because you're hanging on to those bragging rights for the entire year, the calendar year. Because keep in mind too, guys, like Big East, there's no football. Basketball is right. the thing. So there's a little bit different. There's a little bit difference when it comes to that. But I'll be honest. If I'm picking between the two, making an elite eight or winning a conference championship, guys, Clemson's never won a conference championship. That's where I went. So I, I to be honest with you, I would probably flirt with that conference championship and edge my bets a little bit more that way. I understand the point about <clears throat> about the Big East and the and the importance and the sentiment and 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 the history of it. And, and you're right; you bring up a good point about football. Like this, this is it for Big East teams, and, and I respect that. But if that's the case, and if we're going to sit here and just say that, you know, and I'm just I'm just trying to like understand it. If we're just going to say that the Big East tournament championship is more important than a run in the NCAA tournament. Why not just totally secede from the NCAA and just your national championship is the Big East tournament? Because there's too much money on the line. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, but it's like, but, but, but you, you, I mean, look, maybe in the Big East, maybe in the Big East, uh, like you'll get a conference, you'll, you'll get an, you'll get a contract extension off a conference championship win and all of that. But I don't know, like I, I, and maybe it is, maybe it is an exclusive thing to the Big East. But I just feel like I remember second weekend runs or longer than I do. You know who wins a conference championship? Yeah, I, 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 that one's a hard. I think that's uh, per person. But keep in mind too, and, and my only argument to the contrary would be: you play twenty games in order to get seating for your conference tournament. So you're playing against the same teams in order to get good seating, so you can make a run in that conference tournament. That would be my only argument there. Yeah, I, I asked. I asked. This was more of a specific to UConn question because right. Doster is a is a massive UConn guy. To me, like what I if I'm a head coach, do I want to get a conference championship or make an elite eight? It's without question I want to make an elite eight, right? Because it's obviously more important to right. the people that are paying the bills, the people that are on television, all that stuff. Uh, to me, I, I want both. But that being said, if I had to pick between the two, I'd probably pick the Elite Eight. Well, it, it could easily be both because the Big East is obviously, you know, it, it's a really good conference this year. And there are several teams, uh, you know, it feels like to me that could make runs. Some interesting games tonight. We're going to get around to college basketball. I wanted, I wanted to ask you about these because you were there. UConn-Marquette feels like a clash, man. Um, UConn fans seem a little skittish about this despite being the favorite. What do you make of this game tonight, Terrence? How in the world they're going to be able to – it's big versus small. UConn is absolutely massive, whether it be on the perimeter, on the interior. Donovan Klingon comes off the bench. He's every bit of 7-2. I saw him for the first time in person. He is that big. Uh, Adama Sanogo might be the strongest person on the planet, but then you look on the other side of the floor. I love Cam Jones, Memphis guy. I love Cam Jones. I think he's a terrific scorer. I, I, Omax Prosper's turned into a legitimate NBA prospect because he can step out, defend four positions in the college game. He can shoot the three. That makes him different. If if Marquette can find a way to space everybody out and find ways to get some rim pressure, despite not having all that interior size like UConn does, they can give them problems. The only problem is Marquette 
shot 20% from three yesterday in the first half. They're going to have to knock down shots. If you're going to play against a UConn team that's that big, you got to make be, be able to find ways to knock down shots from the perimeter. That's where it kind of gets hairy for you, especially considering how poorly they shot the ball yesterday. Yeah, we're talking to Terrence Oglesby, uh, former Clemson sharpshooter, college basketball analyst for ESPN and Field of 68 and, and, and does it all. I'm, I'm lucky enough to get to work with him a little bit over there at Field of 68. Um, Tyler Hansbro's not here, so I think we can, <laughs> we can speak freely about North Carolina. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned it this week on the show, right, like this magical button that everybody keeps waiting uh, for North Carolina to hit. And they did in the regular season, you know, in, uh, in, in you know, Chapel Hill there against Virginia. But, you know, on a neutral site, you saw exactly what happened. Um, when you diagnose everything that went wrong for North Carolina this season, like where do you start? Like what? What? What didn't happen this year that did at, at at the end of last season? Well, the best thing I saw on Twitter, you refer to Twitter. The best thing I saw on Twitter, somebody said North Carolina went into the locker room at halftime of the national championship game last year and never came out. Yeah, like it, there's a lot to be said there. I think these guys didn't really like each other all that much. And keep in mind, this was a team last season that had a lot of flaws. Uh, this, this they caught lightning in a bottle in the NCAA tournament. I thought uh, the preseason ranking, which was understandable, was a little lofty because I, I thought Caleb Love shot the ball terrific, but he hadn't really shown spurts of that all season long. He turned uh, last year's NCAA tournament to, to his own personal playground. And then Armando Baycott was doing Armando Baycott things. But the fact that Brady Manick was no longer there, he was the guy that kind of got guys in line. Yep. He was a guy that had enough of a, an attitude about him. And if we were doing a show late at night, I would say it differently. But he had, he had an attitude enough about him to where he would be like, hey, guys, this isn't okay. I need you to continue to move the ball. I need you to play a little harder on defense. So what you're doing right now isn't acceptable. I think Pete Nance is a good player. I don't think he had that same sort of impact in the locker room that Brady Manick did in his lone season. So I, I, people forget how good Brady Manick actually is. But more so than that, they forget what kind of impact he had on the players in that locker room because I, I think that's what – it had to do with more than the actual talent on the team. Because, yeah. guys, you, you know just as well as I do, the talent was there. It was totally there. But I think you're right. I think we probably underestimated the impact of everything that Brady brought um, from a spirit standpoint and also just from that outside shooting standpoint, and they missed it. How do you square where Hubert Davis stands? I mean, he is now the sole proprietor and owner of the most disappointing season arguably in college basketball history, the only preseason number one team to not make the NCAA tournament. I know he's one of them, but how do you square that if you're an administrator, if you're a booster? I mean, how do you even start with Hubert Davis? Guys, I'll be honest. Whenever he got the job, I was apprehensive. Uh, not necessarily because of anything else that I thought Wes Miller was the guy because he brought a certain type of tenacity, he brought a certain type of attitude to a program that had been sputtering uh, the last two years of Roy's tenure. And for nothing more than I think Roy had a hard time with today's kids. Mm. And that, that's, you know, that's kind of part of the gig right now. You have to, you have to coach these guys differently and that's, that's fine. And, and kids now, they don't need to just be told what to do. They need to know why they're being told what to do. And I, I think that's a good thing because I think that expands their comprehension of what they're trying to accomplish. 
But at the same time, you have to have a coach that's willing to bend a little bit. You can't bend too much, though. I thought that Hubert was way too willing to give in to what his players were doing on the floor. Some of the things that Caleb Love did this year, some of the things that R.J. Davis did this year, uh, that is not something we're accustomed to seeing uh, from a North Carolina team. I, I When I was in college, I played against Tyler Hansborough. I played against Wayne Ellington, Ty Lawson. Those guys were extremely talented. They were extremely fast, and they played together, and they played unselfishly. This team was selfish. This team didn't move the ball. This team dribbled the air out of whatever basketball they were using that night. And you just saw it as a result. Like, playing hard has always been a prerequisite to playing time. And that just wasn't the case for North Carolina. And I am befuddled as to why that was. If I'm a North Carolina fan, I'm a little worried because Mm. what has Hubert done to gain my trust with consistency? He made that run, but it hasn't been consistent. That's a that's a line right there. Playing hard is a is a requisite to playing time. I've never heard that before, but I actually like it a lot. And I and I don't I mean obviously, you know, there were some guys that were entrenched there from the run a year ago, but it it does. It feels like that was definitely taken for granted by some of those guys. Yeah, it certainly was. And I, you know, there it's a new world right now. Kids are dealing with NIL, coaches are trying to deal with NIL like and that that was an excuse that was brought up, but you know NBA players aren't mm-hmm. complaining. The best players play. Yeah. Yep. So if if you're going to be a pro and you're going to get paid a little money, you you need to act like a pro. You're not going to get paid that much money the following year. So I, I would expect some pay cuts if I'm going to be completely transparent. Uh, that's coming. There's no doubt. We're talking to Terrence Oglesby, college basketball analyst for Field of 68 ESPN. Uh, he is blowing up a rising star in the world of college basketball media. Do want to get your thoughts here locally on Memphis. They take on UCF a little, little later today. They're a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Did take the last meeting in Memphis. Um I'm not so much interested in, in, in this game, but what you think of the job Penny has done with Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams, they seem to be firmly in at this point. Even if they lose to UCF, it's just a quad two loss on a neutral floor. It feels like no matter what happens, they are in. What's your assessment of the job Penny has done? Should Memphis fans be satisfied? What do you make of it? I think they should be happy. I mean, it's a team that – I mean, come on, John, 23-8. and eight. In conference, you're 13 and five with a couple of losses that you, you maybe shouldn't have had. But yeah. at the same time, like, gosh, it, Kendrick Davis has been really good. And there's a process to all this stuff. Like, I know Jeff Goodman came on the show the other day and questioned whether Penny's a guy. I thought that was crazy. Uh, Penny has done a good job, but people also need to realize, like, Penny coaching middle school ball and Penny coaching AAU ball and Penny coaching high school ball. This is a different beast. This isn't the same thing. Like it's a lot more complex. Uh, if you don't believe it's complex in college basketball, go talk to a freshman who's about four months in his head's about to explode. So there's a lot happening. You have to figure out some different ways to beat teams that you're similar in talent to. And then you, I think the biggest, most important part of this thing for Penny is, is, what kind of players do I want to be able to coach during my time at Memphis? And I think last year was a bit of a failed experiment with some guys. They still might be NCAA tournament, but it was a bit of a failed experiment with some certain players. This year, he gets some older players. He figures out, hey, this works a little bit. I, I, I can 
I can get an older transfer point guard. He can still be really good for me. I can get DeAndre Williams, who I think is John Martin's age, but I'm going to throw him in the lineup. Yep. So it's like one of these things where he has to figure out who he is as a coach still. I know he's a few seasons in, but there's there's definitely some trial and error there. And, guys, if you look at their how they've been over the last five seasons, they've continuously got better from year to year. Even though their record's right in that 20 to 23 range, their metrics have improved, their offense has gotten better, and this season they're exceptionally more balanced. So I like what Penny's done. I like this Memphis team, and old teams win. I think that's one thing that that has been a pretty consistent thing uh, in college basketball. And, man, they're not just old. Uh, I mean, every single one of them can rent cars. Yeah, no, it's true, and and that's and that's you know becoming more and more prevalent in college basketball, generally right. speaking. But it's also easier to stomach, uh, quote unquote, learning on the job while you're also going to the NCAA tournament. And I do think that is a key component of it. I think there would be less of an appetite for it if it was resulting in 14 win seasons like Jeff Goodman tries to convey is happening, but it's not, <laughs> right? Like these are 20 plus win seasons that are ending in tournament runs, and I think that that all taken into consideration, you have to say is definitely good enough. Let me ask you about Houston real quick. Tyler Hansborough is definitely skeptical about them. How do you feel about Houston in terms of how they're built? for a, a – I mean, look, if you're a one seed, you're expected to be in the Final Four. I know that's not the way it works, but you're supposed to be one of the four best teams. Are they constructed in a way that will end with them being there uh, in Houston at home? It doesn't make sense why they wouldn't be. I, I think that's – they're so tough, and there's not a team in all of college basketball that controls their controllables quite like Houston. It, it looks like it hurts to play them. Samson's done just a terrific job of installing his kind of guys in there. They're tough. They're physical. They rebound like crazy. And if you look at recent metrics within the past 15, 20 years, national championship teams are typically in the top 25 in both offense and defense. Houston is number five on offense, number five on defense. And here's a couple of extra things. They have Marcus Sasser, who's a shot creator at the end of the clock. And once you get to the NCAA tournament, everybody knows what everybody's running. You have to have somebody that can create something. They have another guy who can do it, too. Jairus Walker, who's 6'8", 245 pounds, doesn't look like he's 18 years old. Yep. But he's a guy who can take over a game as well. Uh, physically, this team is just as impressive as they've always been. And they play a style with a certain physicality that because the referees swallow their whistles a little bit in the NCAA tournament, you guys know that just as well as I do, physicality works. Houston has scoring. They have crutch time scoring. They have talent in Jairus Walker, who's going to be a lottery pick, a surefire lottery pick, and they have the physicality to embrace whatever team they're going to play against. Guys, they've lost two games by a combined, what, seven points? Yep. They're 29-2. What are we talking about? It. I love Tyler. I'm not sure how many uh, Houston games he's really locked into. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. And it's the same argument you used to hear back in the day about Cal's Memphis teams, right? Oh, they aren't battle-tested. Oh, they play in a weak league, yada, yada, yada. Every every year you looked up and they were in the Elite Eight or, you know, in the championship game. So uh, if, you have the, if you have the DNA, it doesn't matter what league you play in, um, and, and clearly they do. Hey, man, this was uh, this was probably the fastest 19 minutes of my life, man. You're good at this. I appreciate the time as always, T.O. Hey, absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I I got I, I lived in Memphis for a little bit. I got to get back out there. Did you really? 
I did. I lived in Bartlett when I was young, young. I, I think I was in elementary school. We spent a couple of years in Bartlett. What? Why am I just now hearing about this for the first time? <laughs> Is it like you were just holding this from me? No, I just I thought I told you. I must not have told you. Me and Chris Walker were classmates. Chris ended up going to Christian Brothers and then playing football at Tennessee. No way. Yeah. So how, there you have it. How about and then and then and then where did you end up growing up? It was in it was on the other side of the state, right? It was on the yeah, it was on the other side of the state. I ended up uh, going to Bradley Central High School close to Chattanooga. Gotcha. How about that? Uh, a little time in Bartlett for T. We're going to have to start calling you Bartlett To. <laughs> I love it, man. Awesome. I'm not claiming Bartlett. I'm not claiming Bartlett. I can't do it. You're only there for about 10 months. You can't claim Bartlett. That's fair. At fair. the same time. That's what we do in Memphis, though, man. If you, like, spend any time here, if you, like, pass through, you know what I mean, we claim you as a citizen. So uh, it's it's an honorary thing. T.L. Hey, Appreci- hey, I, was about to, I was about to take citizenship. I went down to Beale Street and had gumbo fries one time. I was ready to jump in. I was ready to move. Atta boy, atta boy. Thanks, T.O. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy the games this weekend. All right. Thank you, guys. That was Terrence Oglesby. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.